Well, it is great to see everybody here today at Life Church. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Kevin Miller, the uh, director of World Life, which is our missions and outreach program here at Life Church. Uh, Pastor Aaron and his family are on a well-needed vacation right now. They sent their greetings, and uh, they will be back next weekend. So how many of you guys are glad it's cooling off a little bit with the weather? Amen. I'm from Georgia, and I'm glad about that. Like, seriously, it is hot up in Wisconsin. It's not supposed to be like this, but we're praying anyways. But uh, we're going to have some fun here today, and uh, I'm very honored to be able to bring the word. We're in the series Highlights right now, and I just wanted to kind of share a little bit of a highlight from my Bible, per se. Uh, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, it's in Daniel chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible let us know. We can get you one. Or uh, there's a lot of hotels throughout this area. God bless the Gideons. Just take that top drawer on the desk right beside the bed. Grab that Bible. Tell them that Kevin Gineer, our children's pastor, gave you permission to take it. Don't do that, please. That would be ridiculous. Kevin Gineer would get really mad at me. But uh, seriously, if you don't have a Bible, we can get you one. But Daniel chapter 3, uh, I'm going to be reading verses 16 through 18. But uh, first of all, I just want to give you a little bit of background on this story. I'm going to be talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of you ever heard that story? Everybody in Sunday school, all of that, you've heard Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were three awesome guys. I want to give you just a little bit of a background about these guys. They're from a land called uh, Judah. And um, there was a neighboring land called Babylon. And the king of Babylon, his name was King Nebuchadnezzar. Try saying that, Nebuchadnezzar. It's crazy, isn't it? If I have a second dog, I'm going to name him Nebuchadnezzar. That would be really cool to have a dog named that. Come here, Nebuchadnezzar. Anyways, his name was Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar was crazy. Okay, he wasn't just crazy. He was crazy. So this dude, he said, you know what? I'm going to attack the land of Judah, and I'm going to try to conquer it. And he attacked, and he did conquer it. Okay, so Babylon attacked Judah. And basically what he did is King Nebuchadnezzar said, I want to get all of the brightest, strongest, bravest young men from Judah, and I want to bring them to uh, Babylon. Okay? So that's exactly what he did, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were a part of that group of young men. So history tells us that he took these young men over to Babylon, and he basically brainwashed all of them for three years to try to make them just like the Babylonians. He wanted them to talk like them, to eat like them, to look like them, to act like every single thing about them. He wanted them to be, be like Babylonians because he wanted them to be in their army, and he also wanted them to be in leadership one day. So that's a little bit of what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going through. If you know the story, they didn't listen too much during their brainwashing session. But anyways, we're going to go skip over to chapter 3 now. King Nebuchadnezzar, again, he is crazy. Okay, this dude built a 90-foot tall statue of gold of himself, all right, like one big glamour shot, pure gold of himself. And basically, he got everybody in Babylon together, and he said, here's what's going to happen. I have this big, huge band over here with weird instruments like the zir and lither and just weird stuff like that. But he was like, when this music plays, I want every single person to bow down to my statue and worship me, Okay. So this is what he asked them to do. So there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people out here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are out there. And so basically the king says, all right, play the music. They begin to play the music, and people just begin to bow down all over the place. 
even the, even the strongest guys from Judah, they're bowing down. Everybody's bowing down to this statue, except for three guys, the brave three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think they're crazier than King Nebuchadnezzar. Awesome guys, though. They stood standing. It says in the Bible that the king's right-hand man came up to him, and he basically said, King, there are three men that are still standing right back there. You're going to need to do something about it. That's what I imagine his voice being like. I don't know if it's really like that, but that's what I imagine it be like. He's kind of a tattletale. So there's three guys right back there. They are not bowing down. You need to do something. So basically the king's like, okay, you three come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they go up to the king. And he says, here's the deal. If you don't bow down to me, I'm going to throw you in this fiery furnace that I have over here. And it's not going to be fun. You're going to die. So I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down. And that's where we're going to pick up in our story in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. If you're there, say, all right. All right, we're there. Verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego, Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would bless this service. Uh, we welcome you in this place. I pray that these would be your words and not my own. And God, I pray that you would just move in this place. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about trust. Everybody say trust. I want to talk to you about trust today. You know, we've all had people or things in our life that we have put trust into. Growing up all of my life, I've always trusted my dad. Like, I've had a wonderful family. Uh, my dad and mom, they just had their 32nd year anniversary. I believe that's right. If not, forgive me, parents. But they've been married forever, and I've always put a ton of trust in my dad. Okay, but that trust was put to the test when I was six years old. I went to a place called Six Flags. You guys have heard of Six, six Flags, right? You know, I've never been to the Six Flags Great America. I wish to go. I want to go sometime. But we had a Six Flags over Georgia really creative name, but we would go like every single year. I would get a season pass and all of that stuff to Six Flags. Well, anyways, my dad, one day he was like, let's go to Six Flags. And I was like, yes, because I love Six Flags. I said, like, let's go. So me, my mom, my brother, and my dad, we all went to Six Flags that day. And we're walking along. We're holding hands and skipping. No, we're not. We're just walking. And my dad looks down at me and he was like, are you ready? And I was like, excuse me? What? Am I ready for what? He's like, are you ready? It's about time. And I'm like, time for what? What are you talking about? He says, it's time for you to go on a roller coaster. And I was like, roller coaster? Yes, I love roller coaster. And he's like, with a loop. And I was like, excuse me? He's like, a roller coaster with a loop. He's like, you're tall enough now. He's like, you're big enough. It, you're of age. You can do this now. I was scared half to death of the roller coasters with loops. I was like, Dad, there's no way I'm doing that. He said, son, trust me. Trust me. Okay, Dad, whatever, sure. So what we did is my mom went off and sat somewhere because she's not down with all that stuff. And uh, basically me, my dad, my brother, my brother's going nuts. He's like, oh, you're going to love it. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And so we go over to this side of Six Flags called Gotham City. 
okay? It's like this old Batman-themed place. They had a ride called the Batman. They had one called the Joker, and they had one called the Mind Bender. Sounds awesome, huh? The Mind Bender. Anyways, I never made it on this side of the park because this is where all of the roller coasters had loops. So I was a little scared even walking in Gotham City. But I went in there anyways, and my dad takes me over to the Mind Bender. He's like, this one's not bad at all. And I'm like, the Mind Bender is not bad at all. Okay, Dad. So we got in line, and we're waiting in line, and we get right up to the part where the gate is. And how many of you know that feeling when that roller coaster comes up of the people that were in front of you, and they have either like a smile or just a terrified look on their face, and that gate opens up, and it's your turn, okay? Either one, you're super excited, or two, you're about to pee your pants, I was the latter of those, okay? I was scared out of my mind at six years old. I'm like, Dad, I don't want to do this. He's like, trust me, come on. So he pulls me on. We get in the roller coaster seat, and all of a sudden, we were blessed to have a guy that uh, I believe this was his first job ever and probably the first day on the job. And he came out. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? And I'm like, nothing. We're about to ride a roller coaster. He's like, oh, yeah, let me, let me push down the bar. And he pushes down the bar for us, and I'm like, Great, my dad's legs are huge, and now I have like six inches of room between my legs and the bar. I'm like, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna make Fox Five News tonight, and I'm I'm gonna they're gonna see me dead on the news. I was like, Dad, this isn't gonna work. And he's like, Well, son, there's a seatbelt. I was like, Oh, thank God. I was like, We're gonna tighten that thing so tight. So I'm like, Hear me the other side of the seatbelt. We'll click it together. You hear everybody clicking their seatbelts. We're getting ready to go. And he's like, Dude, there's no seatbelt. There's, there's not a seatbelt on this one. And I'm like, what? So I, for a minute there, I thought she said there's no seatbelt. What? And he's like, there is no seatbelt in this one. And I am freaking out. So I call over the smart guy. I'm like, hey, man, what is going on? He's like, um, <laughs> I guess there's no seatbelt. We'll have to get that fixed tomorrow. You're good, though. You're good. Seriously, you're good. And I'm like, What? No, I'm not good. And then my dad starts talking to me about all of this centrifugal force and all this stuff. And I'm like, Dad, I'm going to fall out of this thing. He's like, no, you're not. It's going to be fine. He's like, trust me. So I was like, all right. So I get going on the coaster and the whole. Oh, yeah, I was scared. And we go down and we go through the loop. And by the end of the coaster, I'm like, I've got my hands in the air. I'm screaming. I'm absolutely loving it. Like I loved it. It. And at the end, I was like, Dad, why haven't I done this yet? And he's just like, you've been scared. He's like, I finally got you on the coaster. And I was like, thank you. Thank you, Dad. I mean, it was that much fun. And I've been addicted to roller coasters ever since. I mean, I absolutely love them. The older I get, the queasier I get, though. Anybody there with me? I don't know what it is, but I get a little bit queasier. But it's cool because I trusted the decision that my dad made for me. I trusted that his decision for me to go on that roller coaster was going to be a good decision. And I want to, that takes me to point number one today. Trust that a God decision is a good decision. Trust that a God decision is a good decision. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that this decision they were making to stand while everyone else was bowing down didn't make sense. But they knew it was right. They knew that in the word it said, have no other gods before me. God saying that. They knew that that was in the word. So they knew that it was right, but it couldn't have made sense to them. 
that had to be a very tough decision for them to make. But I think they knew in the back of their minds that this is going to be best for us because this is a God decision for me. Any, my definition of a God decision is something that lines up with God's word. Whether it's God speaking to you, whether it's something that is in the Bible, or whether it's just that, that feeling you have of the Holy Spirit kind of leaning you towards something. If it matches up with the Word of God and God is asking you to do it, or you know that you should do it, do it. Because that is the right decision to make. Trust that a God decision is a good decision. You know, one of my mentors in my life, he's uh, one of my favorite people in the world, he was actually our director of our school of ministry that we were in. He had a really good friend, okay, and his friend was an amazing guy. He truly trusted in God with everything he did. But his friend walked into a mall one day, and he walked into the mall, and uh, that day he, basically my, uh, my pastor said that he was just kind of praying when he was in the mall, God, do whatever you want to do. If you want me to speak to somebody, perfectly fine, but whatever you want to do, I trust you. So he walks in this mall, and... God tells him to scream to the top of his lungs in this mall. What? Are you serious? He's, God screamed to the top of my lungs? What? He told him to scream to the top of his lungs. He's like, man, that can't be God. And he started saying, God, are you sure? Because this is really weird. People are going to look at me strange. I'm going to get kicked out. I'm going to get punched in the face. I don't know what's going to happen. But you're telling me to scream to the top of my lungs. Yes, God was telling him to scream to the top of his lungs. So he goes near the food court, great place to scream at the top of your lungs, and you thought I was going to scream. He screams to the top of his lungs. He screams out, and then afterwards, it's very awkward, to say the least. People have put their sandwich down, and they're looking at him now. The security guard is walking his way, and he says, sir, I don't know if you have a problem or what the deal is, but uh, you, you can't scream at the top of your lungs. And he's like, yeah, I, I don't have a problem, anything like that. He's like, well, I'm going to have to ask you to leave the mall, sir. And at that point, I'm sure he was very confused. Of God, you just asked me to do this, and now I look like a fool in front of the food court at the mall. This is weird. So he turns around, and he starts to walk out. But still throughout all that, he trusts God that he made the right decision, even though he looked really stupid at that point. And as he was walking out, this lady came up to him with just a face full of awe and shock. And she said, sir, can, can I just talk to you for one second? And he's thinking, oh, my goodness, this lady's child probably swallowed a chicken bone or something when I yelled out. He's probably thinking, oh, my goodness. But she said, let me just talk to you for one second. She said, I was on the second floor of this mall when you screamed out. She said, and you know what I did? I asked God, God, if you're real, I want for somebody to scream to the top of their lungs right now in this mall. And then she told him, if not, I was going to jump off and commit suicide. But because he was obedient and he trusted God with something that sounded very silly, this lady's life was saved. As goofy as it sounded, as crazy as that story is, which it is a true story, the lady's life was saved because that guy put trust in God. Even though this God decision in his life did not make any sense whatsoever, it saved a life because he trusted in God. He put that trust in his God, that that was the correct 
decision to make. You know, the second part of this verse says, basically Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have up. Now, point number two is trust that God knows what he's doing. Trust that God knows what he's doing. You know, I can't imagine being on the other side of that story and being Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego. And saying, God, really? Like, this was the plan that you had for me? First of all, I get deported from my country into a place I have no clue of. They try to brainwash me, and now I'm about to get thrown into a fiery furnace. Really? How many times in our own lives have we had things happen, and we're like, God, seriously? Honestly? You let this happen to my, my kid? You let my parents get a divorce after being married 40 years? You let this happen to my family member? You let my friend die? What is going on, God? We all have those times to where it is tough to trust God, but we have to trust that he knows what he's doing. We have to trust that he knows the bigger picture always in every single situation, just like he did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, a lot of times something bitter that happens in our life, something bitter can make your life a whole lot better. And I know that sounds crazy, and I want to explain that to you just a little bit. How many of you have ever heard of an apothecary? An apothecary. Basically what an apothecary does is they mix and compound elements to be able to make things like medicine or perfumes or colognes or different things like that. My favorite kind of an apothecary is one that makes colognes because I love colognes. Okay, when I was 16 years old, I went to this place. Um, it's kind of like a Macy's. It was called Belks in Griffin, Georgia. And I purchased a bottle of Aqua de Gio from Giorgio Armani. And I was very pleased with the smell of that aqua de Joe. It was very nice. And I, I don't know, almost like I collect cologne now. I absolutely love it. But you know what's interesting is looking at how these apothecaries compound these ingredients together to make this cologne and to make these other things. Basically what they do is they take uh, things that are sweet like flowers and different things and then they compound them and get the oil out of it. They extract it and then they mix them together. But the best colognes, they not only have those sweet elements, but they have bitter elements as well. And when those bitter and sweet elements combine together, it makes a smell that is unbelievable. You know, if I put one main ingredient in a lot of cologne and perfumes is cinnamon. If I put a big handful of cinnamon in all of you guys' hands right now and ask you to eat it, it would be pretty bitter. You would probably cough. The room would probably erupt. It would be insane. <laughs> I kind of carried on with that a little too far. But it would be crazy at how bitter that actually was. But if I mixed it with sugar and then gave it to you, it would be a complete different ball game. Because when you mix those bitter and sweet elements together, it creates something special. And you know what's amazing is in the Old Testament, when God asked them to make sacrifices before him, when they would sacrifice the spices, he would always ask them to put bitter spices along with the sweet spices. 
It wasn't just the sweet ones. He said to put the bitter ones along with the sweet spices, and that's what made an aroma that was holy and pleasing before him. I want to tell all of you that a lot of things in your life that seem bitter to you, they're making you better. Because we serve a holy apothecary that's actually compounding these things in our life to make us better people, to make us more like Christ. He's putting these bitter things with these sweet things, and he's put them together to make a holy and pleasing aroma before him. Some of these bitter things that you guys are going through, it could be something that helps out one of your friends that's going through the same thing. It could be something that helps out the next generation after you of something that you struggled with that you thought was just a bitter scar. It could be used to help out the generation after you. You never know what that bitter in your life may may use to be. But it makes it better. We have to trust that God knows what he's doing. Because a lot of times when we just look at the bitter situations, it seems terrible. But man, if we realize that God is mixing together this holy compound in us to make us more like him, that makes the situation much better. And we have to trust that he absolutely knows what he's doing. Not only do we need to trust that he knows what he's doing, but we need to trust that God is always with us. We need to trust that God is always with us. You know, one of the most amazing parts of this story is the ending. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are before King Nebuchadnezzar, who is crazy. They're before him, and basically, this king says, you know what, you're not going to bow down before my big old glamour shot right here. I'm going to put you in the fire. You're done. See ya. So he gets his servants, and they take them over there. The Bible says that when they threw them in the furnace, it was heated up seven times hotter. And the king's helpers actually died putting them in the furnace. That's how hot the fire was. So the king sits back and is like, anybody else want to stand up? All of a sudden, his tattletale helper comes up. Not going to do the voice anymore. I know you want me to, but not going to do the voice. Anyways, he comes up, and he's like, wait, 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 wait. There's, there's, there's somebody else in the fire. The king's like, <laughs> I thought you said there's somebody else in the fire. What? No, there, there's someone else in the fire. The king looks over, and there are four men in the fire. Not just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but there was a fourth man in the fire. God himself was there with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And what's amazing is they walked out of that fire. The Bible says not even one hair on their head was singed. God was with them. I just want to tell you guys that today, that there's a fourth man in your fire. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've went through or what you may go through in the future, but you have to know that there's a fourth man in your fire. God is always with you. The Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is there with us. I want to read you a scripture that's amazing to me. It's Psalms 139. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will will guide me. 
your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. He will always be with us. We have to trust that he is with us. He's never going to leave us. You know, when I was on that roller coaster with my dad, I was scared. I really was. But what helped me out the most is knowing that my dad was right there. It was cool because he put his arm around me while we were going up the roller coaster. And even though he knew I wasn't going to fall down on the loop, he kind of pushed me down when we were going through the loop. And I knew that he was there. That's how I could bear it. That's how I could get through. As simple and as crazy as it may sound, a roller coaster loop. But a lot of you are going through things right now. And a lot of times when we go through stuff, we make the mistake of not recognizing that God is right there. He is right there. There's a fourth man in your fire. God is there with you. He knows what he's doing. He just wants you to make the right decision. He wants you to trust in him. To truly trust in who he is in your life. To trust everything about him. To trust that he has a plan for you. To trust every single bit about him. At the end of the story, when they walked out and they didn't have a singe, singed hair, Nebuchadnezzar was amazed. And he basically said, you know what? Everybody's going to worship this God. He's like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's who everybody's going to worship now. He's like, because there's something different about their God. He was in the fire with them. And they came out not even harmed. There is power with that God. That God must be alive. What if we had that much trust in God to where people said, that God that Kevin serves, oh my goodness, there's something about him. That's my hope. It's for, for me to have so much trust in him that people see, wow, that that's a God that I could serve. That God delivered him from that craziness that he was in in life, and now he lives a life to the full. That's who I want to serve. In this story, thousands upon thousands upon thousands, it doesn't name a number, but I'm sure so many people came to know who that God was that day, simply because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted God. They could have easily bowed down and said, we're going to just ask for forgiveness afterwards, because that would be really weird if we stood up, but no. They said, we're going to stand up because we know it is the right decision. God, we're going to trust that you are always there with us. God, we know that we are making the right decision right now. And they stood up for what was right. And because of it, thousands upon thousands of people came to know who God was that day. Trust in God. Trust in God in your life. If everybody could bow their heads and close their eyes, no one looking around. There's some of you in here, you've, you've put trust in people, and a lot of people have let you down. And I just want to tell you that people will let you down. 
because they're people. We all have feet of clay. We all make mistakes. But I want to tell you that God will never let you down. He has a perfect track record. He has never let anyone down. He has always fulfilled every single promise that he has made. Our God is perfect. And he not only sent his son to die on the cross for you, but his son rose again and he lives today and he wants to have a relationship with you. So if you're in this place and you say, you know what, I, either you've never had a relationship with God or you used to have a relationship with God, but you've kind of strayed away. If that's you, nobody's looking around I, and you want a relationship with Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand and put it back down. Raise your hand and put it back down. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else, really quick, you can just raise it up and put it right back down. Here's what we're gonna do. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is who the Bible says that he is and you will be saved, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and I just want you to repeat after me. And this prayer is not going to be what gets you saved. It's going to be truly believing that this man named Jesus died for you and that he is alive today and he wants a relationship with you. So if you raised your hand, I want for you to say this prayer. And I'd like for every single person in this place to join along with me in this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me of all of my sins. I want to be like you. I want to live a life for you. God, I give my life to you. And I put all of my trust in you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, for everyone else here, every single one of us have either gone through or are going through something where you have to put trust in God. Some of you here, you may just want a little more trust in Him. You may just say, I need more. There's times when I doubt. There's times when I truly wonder, wonder if He's taking me through this for a reason or if it's just happening. Some of you need more trust in Him. You know what? We're going to do something a little different. If that's you, I just want you to stand. I don't want you to worry about what anybody else thinks. If you want more trust from God, I just want you to stand. I'm just going to say a prayer over you. I just want you to stand like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did to say, God, I want more trust in you. I don't care what it takes, but I want to be able to trust you more throughout my life. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to say a prayer over you guys. I'm going to pray that God would give you that ability to be able to trust him more than ever before to be able to make those right decisions for him, to be able to know that he's there throughout your life. God, I pray for every single person in this place, God. I pray for the people standing. God, that you would just let them have such a trust in you. God, I pray for the ones that are going through a fire right now. Whatever it is for them, God, I pray that you would be their comfort. God, that you would show them that you are there with them in the fire, God. Would you show them that you do have a plan from this circumstances happening in their life? God, would you show them that they can trust you? And I pray for the others in this room. I pray for all of us, God, that we would be able to trust you more, whether it's something you're asking us to do or something that's in your word that we know is right to do. Let us do it and trust you. 
God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. It's in your precious and holy name I pray. Amen.